0: you experience... we're back with another episode of the anarchist experience episode 399 aka year 8 week 27 uh, coming at you this week as always i am your host mr richie rich and due to some unfortunate miscalculations and scheduling uh this is going to be your typical edition of richie rich reads the news so we, we just got mc and ks back on board for some good conversations about what's going on in the world. Uh, But not today. So today, just me reading the news, giving whatever social commentary I deem appropriate or worthy. I hope you guys had a good holiday. We did the turducken again, baked it this year. That was fucking phenomenal, and I highly recommend it. And oh my goodness, the leftovers. So I want to get to more of that but I got to do this first. So let's do this so I can get to that. And if you can get with this, then you can get with that. Uh, but headlines, uh, headline call of duty is a government psyop, and these documents prove it. Call of duty. Modern warfare two has been available for less than three weeks, uh, for now because of the age of this article, but it is already making waves. Breaking records. Within 10 days, the first-person military shooter video game earned more than $1 billion in revenue. It has also been shrouded in controversy. Not because missions include assassinating an Iranian general, clearly based on Qasem Soleimani, a statesman and military leader slain by the Trump administration in 2020, and a level where players must shoot drug, drug traffickers attempting to cross the U.S. border, a U.S.-Mexico border, the Call of Duty franchise is an entertainment juggernaut. Having sold close to half a billion games since it was launched in 2003, its publisher, Activision Blizzard, is a giant in the industry behind titled games as the Guitar Hero, Warcraft, Starcraft, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Crash Bandicoot, and Candy Crush Saga series. Yet in a closer inspection of Activision Blizzard's key staff and their connections to state power, as well as the details gleaned from documents obtained under the Freedom of Information Act, reveal that Call of Duty is not a neutral first-person shooter, but a carefully constructed piece of military propaganda designed to advance the interests of the U.S. national security state. Uh, In a tweet, In the first five minutes, the new Call of Duty has you pilot the missile that kills Soleimani. Lol. Uh, The military entertainment complex. It has long been a matter of public record that American spies have targeted and penetrated Activision Blizzard games documents released by Edward Snowden reveal that the NSA, CIA, FBI, and Department of Defense infiltrated the vast online realm, such as World of Warcraft, creating make-believe characters to monitor potential illegal activity and recruit informers. Indeed, at one point there were so many U.S. spies in one video game that they had to create a deconfliction group as they were wasting time unwittingly surveilling each other. Virtual games, the NSA wrote, were an opportunity and a target-rich communications network. However, documents obtained legally under the Freedom of Information Act by journalists and researchers Tom Secker and shared with Mint Press News, well, source of the article, shows that the connection between the national security state and the video game industry go far beyond this into active collaboration. In September 2018, for example, the United States Air Force flew a group of entertainment executives, including Call of Duty uh, Activision Blizzard producer Coco Francini, to their headquarters at Hulbert Field, Florida. The explicit reason for doing so, they wrote, was to showcase their hardware and to make the entertainment industry more credible advocates for the U.S. war machine. We've got a bunch of people working on future blockbusters. Think Marvel, Call of Duty, etc., Stoked about this trip, wrote one Air Force officer. Another email notes that the point of the visit was to provide heavy-hitter producers with AFSOC, Air Force Special Operations Command, immersion focused on special tactics, airmen's and air-to-ground capabilities. There is a great opportunity to educate this community and make them more credible advocates for us in the production of any future movies, television productions, on the Air Force and our special tactics community, wrote AFSOC uh, Community Relations Chief. Francini and others were shown CV-22 helicopters and AC-130 planes in action, both of which feature heavily in Call of Duty games. Yet Call of Duty collaboration with the military goes back much further. The documents show that the United States Marine Corps was involved in the production of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 and Call of Duty 5. The game's producers approached the USMC at the 2010 E3 Entertainment Convention in Los Angeles, requesting access to hovercrafts. Vehicles which later appeared in the game. Call of Duty 5 executives also asked for use of a hovercraft, a tank, and a C-130 aircraft. This collaboration continued in 2012 with the release of Modern Warfare 2, where producers requested access to all manner of air and ground vehicles. Secker told Mint Press that by collaborating with the game industry, the military ensures a positive portrayal that can help it reach recruitment targets. Stating that, quote, For certain demographics of gamers, it's a recruitment portal. Some first-person shooters have embedded adverts with the games themselves. Even without this sort of explicit recruitment effort, games like Call of Duty make warfare seem fun, exciting, and an escape from the drudgery of their normal lives. Secker's documentary, Theaters of War, How the Pentagon and CIA Took Hollywood, was released earlier this year. The military clearly held considerable influence over the direction of Call of Duty games. In 2010, its producers approached the Department of Defense for help on a game set in 2075. However, the DoD liaison expressed concerns that the scenario being considered involves future war with China. As a result, Activision Blizzard began looking at other possible conflicts to design the game around. In in the end, due in part to military objection, the game was permanently abandoned. From war on terror to first-person shooters... Not only does Activision Blizzard work with the U.S. military to shape its products, but its leadership board is also full of former high state officials. Chief amongst these, there is Francis Townsend, Activision Blizzard Senior Counsel, and until September, its Chief Compliance Officer and Executive Vice President for Corporate Affairs. Prior to joining Activision Blizzard, Townsend spent her life working her way up the rungs of the national security state. Previously serving as head of intelligence for the Coast Guard and the Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice, counterterrorism deputy. In 2004, President Bush appointed her to his intelligence advisory board. As the White House's most senior advisor on terrorism and homeland security, Townsend worked closely with the Bush and Rice and became one of the faces of the administration's war on terror. One of her principal achievements was to whip the American public into a constant state of fear about the supposed threat of more al-Qaeda attacks, which never came. As part of her job, Townsend helped popularize the term enhanced interrogation techniques, a Bush-era euphemism for torturing detainees. We're still Lieutenant Colonel... Stephen L. Jordan, the officer in charge of the notorious Abu Ghraib prison, alleged that Townsend put pressure on him to ramp up the torture program, reminding him many, many times that he needed to improve the intelligence output from the Iraqi jail. Townsend has denied these allegations. He also later condemned the handcuffing and humiliation surrounding Abu Ghraib. She was not referring to the prisoners, however. In an interview with CNN, she lamented that these career professionals, CIA torturers, had been subject to humiliation and opprobrium after details of their actions were made public, meaning the future administration would be handcuffed by the fear of bad publicity while the intelligence community would become more risk-averse. During the Trump administration, Townsend was hotly tipped to become the Director of National Intelligence or the Secretary of Homeland Security. President Trump also approached her for the role of director of the FBI. Instead, however, Townsend took a seemingly incongruous career detour to become an executive at a video game company. Enter the War Planners In addition to this role, Townsend is a director of the NATO offshoot, the Atlantic Council, a director at the Council of Foreign Relations, and a trustee at the hawkish think tank, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, a group Mint Press News has previously covered in detail. Funded by weapons companies NATO and the U.S. government, the Atlantic Council serves as the military alliance's brain trust, devising strategies on how best to manage the world. Also on its board of directors, are high statespersons like Henry Kissinger and Condoleezza Rice. Virtually every retired U.S. general of note, and no fewer than seven former directors of the CIA. As such, the Atlantic Council represents a collective opinion of the national security state. Two more key Call of Duty staff also work for the Atlantic Council. Chance Glasgow, a co-founder of Infinity Ward Developers who oversaw the game franchise's Rapid Rise, is the Council's non-resident senior fellow, advising top generals and political leaders on the latest developments in tech. Game designer and producer Dave Anthony, crucial to Call of Duty success, is also an Atlantic Council employee, joining the group in 2014. There, he advises them on what the future of warfare will look like and devises strategies for NATO to fight in upcoming conflicts. Anthony has made no secret that he collaborated with the U.S. National Security State while making the Call of Duty franchise. My greatest honor was to consult with Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North on the story of Black Ops 2, he stated, publicly adding that there are so many small details we could never have known about it if it wasn't for his involvement. Oliver North is a high government official, gained worldwide infamy, Uh, after being convicted for his role in the Iran-Contra affair, whereby his team secretly sold weapons to the government of Iran, using the money to arms and train fascist death squads in Central America. Groups who attempted to overthrow the government of Nicaragua and carried out waves of massacres and ethnic cleansings in the process. Republicans for hire. Another eyebrow-raising hire is Activision Blizzard's chief administration's officer, Brian Bulatow a former Army captain and consultant for McKinsey & Company, until 2018. He was chief operating officer for the CIA, placing him third in command of the agency. When CIA Director Mike Pompeo moved over to the State Department, becoming Trump's Secretary of State, Bulatow went with him and was appointed under Secretary of State for management. There, by some accounts, he served as Pompeo's personal attack dog, with former colleagues describing him as a bully who brought a cloud of intimidation over the workplace, repeatedly pressing them to ignore potential illegalities happening at the department. Thus, it is unclear if Bulatow is the man to improve Activision Blizzard's notoriously toxic workplace environment that caused dozens of employees to walk out en masse last summer. After the Trump administration's electoral defeat, Bullittal went straight from the State Department into the highest echelon of Activision Blizzard, despite no experience in the entertainment industry. The third senior Republican official Activision Blizzard has recruited to its upper ranks is Grant Dixon. Between 2003 and 2006, Dixton served as associate counsel to President Bush, advising him on many of his administration's most controversial legal activities, such as torture and the rapid expansion of the surveillance state. A lawyer by trade, he later went on to work for weapons manufacturer Boeing, rising to become its senior vice president, general counsel, and corporate secretary. In June 2021, he left Boeing to join Activision Blizzard as its chief legal officer. Other Activision Blizzard executives with backgrounds in national security include senior vice president and chief information security officer Brett Wallen, who was a U.S. Army counterintelligence agent, a chief of staff, Angela Alvarez, who until 2016 was an Army chemical operations specialist. That the same government that was infiltrating games 10 to 15 years ago now has so many former officials controlling the very game companies raises serious questions around privacy and state control over media and mirrors the national security state penetration of social media that has occurred over the same time frame. War Games. These deep connections to the U.S. national security state can perhaps help partly explain why for years many have complained about the blatant pro-U.S. propaganda apparently throughout the games. The latest installment, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, is no exception. In the game's first mission, players must carry out a drone strike against a character uh, named and them. For whatever reason, that paragraph cuts out. Oh, there it is. They just put it in twice. A uh, character named General Gorbrani. The mission is obviously a recreation of the Trump administration's illegal 2020 drone strike against Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. In the game, the, the in-game general even bears a striking resemblance to Soleimani. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 ludicrously presents the general as under Russia's thumb and claims that Gorbrani is supplying terrorists with aid. In reality, Soleimani was the key force in defeating ISIS terror across the Middle East, actions for which even Western media declared him a hero. U.S.-run polls found that Soleimani was perhaps the most popular leader in the Middle East, with over 80% of Iranians holding a positive opinion of him. Straight after the assassination, Pompeo's State Department floated the falsehood that the reason they killed Soleimani was that he was on the verge of carrying out a terrorist attack against Americans. In reality, Soleimani was in Baghdad, Iraq, for peace talks with Saudi Arabia. These negotiations could have led to peace between the two nations, something that the U.S. government is dead against. Then-Iraqi Prime Minister Adil Abul Mahdi revealed that he had personally asked President Trump for permission to invite Soleimani, and Trump agreed, then used the opportunity to carry out the killing. Therefore... Just as Activision Blizzard is recruiting the top State Department officials to its upper ranks, its games are celebrating the same State Department's most controversial assassinations. This is far from the first time Call of Duty has instructed impressionable young gamers to kill foreign leaders. However, in Call of Duty Black Ops, players must complete a mission to murder Cuban leader Fidel Castro. If they manage to shoot him in the head, they are rewarded with an extra gory slow-motion scene and obtain a bronze Death to Dictators trophy. Thus, players are forced to carry out digitally what Washington failed to do on over 600 occasions. Likewise, Call of Duty Ghosts is set in Venezuela, where players fight against General Almagro, a socialist military leader clearly modeled on former President Hugo Chavez. Like Chavez, Almagro wears a red beret and uses Venezuela's oil wealth to forge an alliance of independent Latin American nations against the U.S. Washington attempted to overthrow Chavez and his successor, Nicolas Maduro, multiple times during its sixth mission of the game. Players must shoot and kill Almagro from close range. The anti-Russian propaganda is also turned up to 11 in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. One mission recreates the infamous Highway of Death incident. During the first Iraq war, U.S.-led forces trapped fleeing Iraq troops on Highway 80. What follows what was then Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman Colin Powell described as wanton killing and a slaughter for slaughter's sake. As U.S. troops and their allies pummeled the Iraqi convoy for hours, killing hundreds and destroying thousands of vehicles, U.S. forces also reportedly shot hundreds of Iraqi citizens and surrendered soldiers in their care. Call of Duty Modern Warfare recreates this scene for dramatic effect. However, in their version, it is not the U.S. forces led doing the killing, but Russia, thereby whitewashing a war crime by pinning the 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 blame on official enemies. Call of Duty, in particular, has been flagged up for recreating real events as game missions and manipulating them for geopolitical purposes, Secker told Mint Press, referring to the Highway of Death, adding, quote, In a culture where most people's exposures to games and films, TV shows, and so on is far greater than their knowledge of historical and current events, these manipulations help frame the gamers' emotional, intellectual, and political reactions. This helps them turn into more general advocates for militarism, even if they don't sign up in any formal way." Sacker's latest book, Superheroes, Movies, and the State, How the U.S. Government Shaped Cinematic Universes, was published earlier this year. Game over. In today's digitized era, the worlds of war and video games increasingly resemble one another. Many have commented on the similarities between piloting drones in real life and in games such as Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Prince Harry, who was a helicopter gunner in Afghanistan, described his joy... At firing missiles at enemies. I'm one of those people who loves playing PlayStation and Xbox. So with my thumbs, I like to think I'm probably quite useful, he said. If there's people trying to do bad stuff on our guys, then we'll take them out of the game, he added. Explicitly comparing the two activities. U.S. forces even control drones with Xbox controllers. Blurring the lines between war games and war games. Even further. The military has also directly produced video games as promotional recruitment tools. One is a U.S. Air Force game called Airman Challenge, featuring 16 missions to complete, interspersed with facts and recruitment information about how to become a drone operator yourself. In its latest attempt to market active service to young people, players move through missions escorting U.S. vehicles through countries like Iraq and Afghanistan, serving up death from above to all those designated insurgents by the game. Players earn medals and achievements for most effectively destroying moving targets. All the while, there is a prominent Apply Now button on screen if if players feel like enlisting and conducting real drone strikes on the Middle East. U.S. Armed Forces uses the popularity of video games to recruit heavily among among young people, sponsoring game tournaments, fielding their own U.S. Army eSports team, and directly trying to recruit teens on streaming sites such as Twitch. The Amazon-owned platform eventually had to clamp down on the practice after the military used fake prize giveaways that lured impressionable young viewers onto recruitment websites. Video games are a massive business and a huge center of soft power and ideology. The medium makes for particularly persuasive propaganda because children and adolescents consume them often for weeks or months on end. And because they are light entertainment, because of this, users do not have their guards up like they were listening to a politician speaking. Their power is often overlooked by scholars and journalists because of the supposed frivolity of the medium. But is the very notion that these unimportant sources of fun make their messages all the more potent. The Call of Duty franchise is particularly egregious, not only in its messaging, but because who the messengers are. Increasingly, the game appears to be little more than American propaganda masquerading as a fun first-person shooters. For gamers, the point is to enjoy its fast-paced entertainment, but for those involved in their production, the goal is not just to make money. It is about serving the Imperial War Machine. End of the article. Quite interesting, in it? We talked, uh, several weeks ago or I did, I don't remember what was going on with the whole, uh, Facebook and Google and whomever hiring, uh, maybe it's just Facebook hiring ex CIA operatives. And at the time, uh, I, I, you know, held the opinion. I guess I still do that. Good. Get them out of government, get them into the private sector. What's the problem here. And in this one, uh, similar, right? Like, you know, if, if they're not working for the state, who cares, I I personally uh, recognize that there is propaganda uh, in these in these acts, uh, and at the same time, um, having rejected the idea that video games influence real life in the past, right? It is hard for for me to come around to that conclusion simply because the game designers have military ties, right? Like when you know, uh, with uh, as recently as the Kyle Rittenhouse case, where they tried to pin his you know love of first person shooters as the reason he went on to massacre all those innocent people in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which I obviously believe to be false. Uh, that was that was as clear cut a case of multiple self defense shootings, uh, and I will never be convinced otherwise. And it is my general opinion on that one that anyone who still believes that, uh, he is a murderer of any kind, uh, failed to pay attention, uh, to what was actually going on in the trial and instead took their opinion based on what was being portrayed in the mainstream media. Like if you, if you watch the trial, you got all the evidence, you know, which I did, uh, if you don't recall those shows, um, yeah, clear cut, cut and dry. But they tried to use, you know, the use of video games to explain why he liked weapons of war and why he'd go out and, you know, carry them and kill people. Uh, And, uh, oh, man, I forget the the old lawyer's name for Florida who tried to get, you know, violent video games banned uh, on, you know, on the idea that games like Grand Theft Auto train young impressionable minds uh, to become killers and murderers and rapists and drug dealers, etc. And just overall violent human beings. And we went. That's nonsense. It's a video game. Having been a gamer my whole life for the most part, uh, you know, I'm not. I am not impressed uh, by the games. Right? Like, do playing Grand Theft Auto doesn't make me want to go steal cars and run over hookers? It just doesn't happen, um, and it never did. You know, I, you know, those games were around college years for me when the the first ones, the first three D ones came out. Not three, you know, th- three dimensional and there was not, you know we 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 fought against that line of thinking uh you know ferociously right bullshit we decried uh, there is no chance that video games cause people to be violent and yet here is this piece from mint press news claiming that i indeed video games you know when when imp- when used by the us military military's propaganda tool makes people want to really kill people for real in real life right oh you you got to, you had a lot of fun droning that kobani guy in the video game. Why don't you come join the military and bomb people for real uh and and I want to believe that that is quite a stretch of the imagination um and so I think you know even if even if the article even if what you know the article says is true and there's a whole bunch of crossover with employees and whatnot um yeah i i find it difficult to maintain that connection uh just based on the the history of video games being used as a scapegoat for violent activity so i'm not i don't want to let that fly uh the second thing uh that i want to take issue with the article is like if you're you know <laughs> Okay, so again, I'm not pro-military, I'm not pro-war, I'm not pro any of these things. However, if you are making a military simulator video game, right, it would behoove you to get experts on the subject uh, to, to help design that game, right? So if, you, if you're going to have a hovercraft in the game, maybe you want to take a real good look uh, and feel about how, how a hovercraft operates in real life. Uh, same with helicopters and tanks and whatever other vehicles, right? There was that tank game several uh, maybe a year or so ago, right? Where they, you know they, they stole the they stole the manual for the game or you know uh, and and p- uploaded it just to prove uh, to the developers that they had you know a small design element wrong in one of the you know one of the current use Russian tanks or whatever. They said, no, 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 here's the spec game developer, you know, make it right, because we want a real simulation, uh, and I don't know how many of those people, you know, either playing the real simulation or how or, or working on it, whatever, however they got the manual, where I was like, you know what would be better than the real video game? Let's just go join the army, Then we can drive the tanks for real, put some real skin in the game, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, I like, I like card games in general, but I don't like gambling, right? So if I get my Caesars Palace video game or whatever, Texas Hold'em video game or even Solitaire whatever going on the computer, you know, the simulated loss of money is good enough for me. I don't have to go to Vegas and join a Texas Hold'em tournament or whatever to get like the same grand feeling, you know, that I get from the video game. It doesn't. It does. That doesn't do it for me. Um, and I'm, you know, it's it's hard for me to think that I'm the only one, right? I don't even like first person shooters, uh, mostly because I'm not that good at it. But it never, never once right? Did I think to myself, Oh man, I wish I could do this for real. That would really be the bee's knees, man. Like let's, let's go join the military so we can really kill people. Like, no, I don't want to do that, but can I have fun doing it in a video game? Absolutely. Right. Back to the simulation, right? The Microsoft's flight simulator, whatever, right? Like, Oh my gosh, you know, you would be better than this. You know, if I could just go to airplane school I'm become a pilot. Then I could do this for real, man. You know? And I just I don't I don't buy it. I don't see it. Um I accept that this is a form of propaganda. Um, that it could be used to influence emotions. Um but that's that's entertainment in general, right? Like what show doesn't do that? What movie doesn't do that? What book doesn't do that? You know, music too. There, there's, there's a, there's agenda written into music, right? The whole, you know, what was it during the Bush years? The the Dixie Chicks or whoever, you know, rival with Toby Keith over over musical nonsense because they shared dis, they they didn't share political beliefs, whatever. It's there. The propaganda is there. It's unavoidable. Uh, and I and I don't think that video games in general and Call of Duty specifically. Uh, need to be singled out for that propaganda aspect like what are you going to do how are you going to get rid of it you can't right there people program the game people are inherently biased to their own political leanings or, the, or their own opinions right and there's no way to not leak that into games because that's just how people think uh, and how people act and how people behave right however your opinion was first formed your mission in life is to seek out reinforcement to that opinion. So you can be right about it. And, it, and that's, that's true for everyone. Uh, myself included, right? One of, one of the great things about being a, an anarchist or even a libertarian to some respect is like you have the moral high ground on just about any political issue or argument, right? Like, no, no, no we're right. And you're a violent asshole, right? You know, that's, that's it. If, if for no other reason, you know, to seek reinforcement, to be right about that is a grand old thing. And so you're never going to get rid of that. Um, so, uh, so again, you know, trying to, trying to filter that out of video games, right? Any video game uh, is, is, is nonsense, you know? And, and again, not, not, not all video games have a have an agenda or a political messaging to it right um but as far as the medium is concerned when you start to do games like this you know how can you not right uh one of the one of the funny things is the article didn't even mention uh the u.s army game for like the original xbox right It, it was produced by the u.s army and the wonderful thing about it is uh whichever side you were on you were the good guys so team-based tactical warfare right and both sides were the americans uh from their perspective and and both sides were fighting the bad guys from their perspective so on your screen you know you had red white and blue and the other side you had like you know the, the red scare of china or whoever it was the bad guys or the middle eastern people or you know whatever at the time and that's just you know it was designed that way you know and I've, I, I think I, I don't know if I own it. I don't know if I ever got around to purchasing it. Um, maybe because of that, maybe because it was like clearly propaganda produced by the people doing the recruiting, uh, and not even, not even a nod that this has been, you know, around since, since, since those days, perhaps, you know, whatever, whatever year that came out. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're going to do like a military simulation, if that's your bag, Right. Then you have to get people who are experts in the area. You have to, you have, you know, you have to get the designs right, uh, because the people who know and understand and like, you know, flate the military and already the war, uh, war industrial complex, or military industrial complex or whatever, like that, they, they that's what they want. They want the simulation, right? Are they going to change their opinion based on it? Maybe, maybe not. Are they going to want to join up? Uh, I hope not. And if they do, you know win play stupid games win stupid prizes uh you know there's there's no reset in real life right if, if you if you die in them in real life you die in real life uh, there's no there's no coming back like you can in the video game there's no do-overs on those levels uh so whatever tactic you take to beat the level you know that's that may or may not work in real life and your life is on the line So I don't even know how much, you know, how much influence that's going to have to get people to, oh man, drone bombing that Iraqi kid was so much fun. Let me go do that. Let me, let me enlist now and go do that. You know, the, the, the biggest, the biggest reason to enlist is the guaranteed money that they steal from regular working people, uh, in poor areas, right. When you don't have a lot of options, right. You want, if you want to enlist, you know, that's where you go get them and it's an effective strategy right? We're not, uh, the, the current job that I have, uh, we're, we're hiring right now, much like every place else. Right. And, and, uh, my new boss at this new job is, you know, quite a tactical and intelligent dude, you know, despite it all. Um, he's like, put the job ads up in the poor cities, right? Find me some poor neighborhoods, but they'll be happy to make this kind of money remotely, you know? And so we do. And all of a sudden, like, Job ads, job applicants are flooding in, right? Can't get a can't get a dozen local applicants in the area, right? Put it in some poor state uh, where they're not making that much to begin with. Offer them remote work and like two hundred job ads, you know, over uh, before the holiday weekend, right? And another hundreds or so rolling in now that we're gonna have to fucking filter through on Monday when we get back to work. Um, So yeah, you want. If you if you want to get people to do your bidding, right go find the poor people because they're willing to do it because they you don't have to pay them as much you know to get them to do the dirty work and not that we're paying them to do dirty work. Um, but the military is the military absolutely is. you want to get you want to get those recruiting numbers up you recruit in the poor neighborhoods where people don't have a lot of choices or options with what to do. The rich kids, they want to get that experience, right, but they can afford an Xbox and PlayStation 5, and they're fine doing it the simulated way. Cause you get the you get your same jollies and you put down the controller and you go about your business. And I'm done on that one, I think. It's all I can think of for now. We'll see. Next headline Liberty is worth the fight. You damn right it is. Uh, this is from Zero Hedge. There comes a time Martin Luther King Jr. advised, when one must take a position that is neither safe nor politic nor popular, but he must take it because his conscience tells him it is right. Moral imperative, in other words, outweighs personal security, political correctness, and the psychological comfort of identifying with the crowd. During the troubling times of human violence and suffering, it is always The lonely few, either blessed with innate courage or made resolute through private, grinding struggle, who dare to take a stand against encroaching evils tacitly accepted by the many. Such is the power of individual free will when man chooses principle as his guide. Today is a time for the voices of the few to coalesce. What is at stake is nothing less than individual control over one's life, liberty, property, privacy, and pursuit of happiness. Freedom of speech hangs in the balance, as do freedom of religion, freedom of the press, and the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That many of these natural rights were recorded together in America's First Amendment is not accidental. They are intimately interwoven. To weaken any one weakens them all. To freeze the bank accounts of Freedom Convoy protesters demanding freedom from unwanted experimental vaccines, as was done in Canada, is to threaten speech, assembly, bodily autonomy, religious objection, property rights, and public resistance to government-caused harm. To forbid a football coach from publicly praying is to force him to sacrifice both his religious freedoms and freedom of expression. If the very thing that most define us are relegated to the home, then religious identity and freedom of speech do not have far to roam. Aside from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's efforts to create an official disinformation governance board to combat free speech antithetical to the government's point of view, reports show that DHS employees have regularly met with Facebook and Twitter to suppress and censor certain facts and opinions in online discussions and numerous issues dominating public debate, including such broad topics as the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, COVID-19, And quote unquote racial justice to hand Western governments, the power to decide what may or may not be published on social media deprives the public square of both unfettered free speech within the bounds of Brandenburg versus Ohio and a truly free press to empower government actors Uh, with the authority to designate some thought as mis, mal, or disinformation, in other words, to permit politicians and bureaucrats to arbitrate what is true or false, helpful or harmful, protected opinion or malicious deception, is to abrogate entirely the protections of America's First Amendment. To use private sector cutouts as the government's implicit censors is not only a nefarious and cynical workaround, It is also illegal to act as a government agent to enable it to circumvent constitutional prohibitions in this instance limiting who may participate in the modern day equivalent of the traditional town square to censor dissenting views on experimental yet coerced medical treatment two-tiered economic shutdowns during which big box stores are inexplicably allowed to operate while economically vulnerable neighborhood shops are not is mass censorship in the name of public health shielding from scrutiny monstrous tyranny draped in the false cloak of the greater or common good when governments censor dissenting opinions from public debate they serve no greater interest than their own. When governments claim to act for the people's own good, while banning contrary points of view, they are all too often augment their own power at the public expense. When governments camouflage their orders behind claims of good intentions, then the most atrocious evils can be blissfully undertaken. If you allow yourself to be blinded by any government's good intentions, your eyes may one day be flooded with the sight of unspeakable harm. Hugo Chavez's socialist government made many such promises for the good of the people of Venezuela. While his government's endless public betrayals have left the nation's citizenry suffering immeasurably still today. This is a pivotal pivotal movement in human history. When centuries of shady progress, excuse me. This is a pivotal moment in human history when centuries of steady progress towards human emancipation and individual liberty will either find new urgent momentum or suffer regrettable retreat. Either freedom means something or it does not. Either personal agency resides in the hands of every individual or it disappears behind a view of people as nothing more than parts of collective groups. Either self-government demands each citizen have a voice or the many must obey the edicts of an ever-expansive government run by the few. Either citizens are uniquely empowered to control the direction of the government or legal citizenship and nationality mean nothing at all. These are the simple yet serious stakes we face today. They are clear, unforgiving, and unavoidable. The reason we are here now at this intersection in the history of liberty is not complex. It is the outcome of human nature. For most people in the West today, war and its painful consequences are are unknown or have been distorted by time. Although violence and bloodshed continue uninterrupted in many places around the world, most Westerners have long been spared the horrors of war directly outside their doors. The difficulty for humans to appreciate what they cannot see has made them careless in preventing what they do not intimately know. Many politicians cavalierly embrace totalitarianism once again. Citizens, once aware... Of the attendant dangers to peace when large corporations and national governments work hand in glove to push politically correct ideas upon society, and apparently so far removed from the 20th century's vivid lessons in fascist, communist, and Nazi propaganda that they fail to see the harm in bureaucrats and office holders dictating to the public what it may believe. Many Westerners have forgotten that freedom of speech and personal liberty. Far from menacing microaggressions deserving of sanctions are the surest safety valve for mediating animosities inherent within any society before outright violence is unleashed in their stead. For many people, decades of relative peace have transformed hard-fought Western freedoms into disposable inessentials. Governments and international corporations think little of the risk to social cohesion and probably do not even care when they purposefully manipulate populations with mass media propaganda meant to reinforce the elite agenda of the World Economic Forum covering everything from energy use and food production to medical mandates and health passports. The same allure of ultimate power and control that fueled both world wars remains all too enticing. Governments already acclimated to universal public surveillance and warrantless online tracking. See central bank, digital currencies, human tracking, v- tracking implants, and the imposition of social credit scores all on the horizon and believe the time for total control over citizens is near. So long as they are the ones doing the controlling as always. Technology's liberating benefits are accompanied by its power to threaten populations and to suppress information that its its directors may abhor. Radio and television connected the world as never before, but mass communication also rapidly fueled the rise of dictators and the spread of public indoctrination to new heights. Nuclear energy has provided both abundant power and the potential for apocalyptic destruction. Personal computers, smartphones, and the Internet have given ordinary individuals megaphones through which to articulate new ideas, yet that same cyberspace has opened up a brand new battle space for government surveillance, propaganda, and mass manipulation. Rather than ensuring citizens' economic security and fostering freer markets, Some governments appear to view technology as providing not only more efficient tools for redistributing wealth, limiting personal income, and levying taxes, but also the means for creating a technocratic system of total surveillance in which bureaucratic control over what consumers buy and sell and the implementation of social credit scores can both reward politically correct behaviors and punish wrong points of views. Uh, technological advancements provide the means for both greater human freedom and absolute human abasement. When governments are allowed to make that choice for us, they will often choose the latter. Their concern is not our personal liberty, but their power. For human freedom to flourish, only only the people are capable of keeping government power in check. It is therefore imperative that Westerners not lose sight of the most important battle already raging one pitting individual freedom against total state control. Every other issue should be scrutinized through this lens. We are indeed at an intersection in the history of human liberty. Even if only a small minority comprehend what is now at risk, those few would do well to fight for preserving our individual freedoms against those governments and corporations working diligently to dilute them. Either the light of liberty is once again rekindled or it will be extinguished under a later day, until a later day. End of the article. Um, you know, founders, constitutions, you know, what have you, what may. Um, I, th- I am of the agreement in one of the quotes, uh, and that is the one about refreshing the tree of liberty, right? We talk about it, and present company included, no one really does anything about it um, because no one wants to do what needs to be done with regards to that, right? The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And I think what a lot of people, you know, want to think is that, oh, we just go kill a bunch of people, kill the government. And I'm all for that. Um, but the tree gets refreshed with the blood of patriots and tyrants, right? Not just tyrants. This is not something that you can escape from. Um, And I, and that is, you know, part of the messaging that goes uh, unchecked, unnoticed, unbelieved when people go like, well, we don't want it to get that far. You know, let's just vote. Right. And, you know, several weeks ago or, or whatever we went through, whatever midterms and, whatever red wave was supposed to, you know, come rolling on through. Uh, and that didn't happen. And, you know, even if it did happen, fundamentally, what would change? Nothing. Um, but you you, t- you tie the founders, you know, the founding, you, you tie the fundamental position uh, that the tree of liberty needs to be refreshed with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Um, you tie that in with the, the I'm going to call it the objective idea that if you vote, in any way, shape, or form, right, defensively, offensively, whatever, Uh, at the very least, right, you're granting legitimacy to that system. And we've covered this before. I won't get too into it this time. But you were saying, I agree to the rules of this game, and I will abide the outcome of this game, right? I will vote for my preferred candidate, but if your candidate should should win, come hell or, you know, by, by hook or by crook, uh, then I will agree to follow whatever rules are levied on me by your candidate in the hopes that in another two to four to six years, I will get another chance to let my opinion be known once again. Uh, and, and, you know, you do that several times and you're outside of the, you, you know, you're outside of the, uh, opportune window to fight fucking back, Right. You know, I'm getting too old for this shit, uh, and 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 now I'm handicapped, right? Like when I when I first found these ideas, I was like, all right, I'm young, I'm in shape, I'm good to go, I'm healthy. Let's fight, because now is the time for fighting, uh, and now is still the time for fighting. But I'm old, and I'm injured, and I'm tired, and it hurts to walk upstairs. It's like, God damn it, right? Like I'm still not gonna vote, but you you have lost. You know, someone who was willing to do to do battle, sir. Um, at least for me, right? With new recruits all the time. You know, the anarchist video game. You know, Call of Anarchy uh, to 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 propagandize those little bastards uh, into into growing up anarchists and wanting to fight the state instead of for the state. Uh, but I digress. Um, but it's you know, liberty as the art as this article titles. Liberty is worth the fight, and unfortunately, people don't want to accept the idea that it's going to take a fight it's you're going to have to do it right it's it's not it's not going to be found at the ballot box right you you i don't i don't know if it's even possible right to like to nickel and dime your way to freedom uh, because it seems like every step forward has something attached or a few steps back right um you know they they, they finally got legalized marijuana done in in much of the country right ah but then it's taxed and now with all those fucking weed smoking hippies out there uh the government is raking in billions uh for, from taxing the sale of it right are, are there more people smoking weed now than there were before like what's the what's the percentage of people who are like well now that it's legal right now now i can get my hands on it right oh now now that i can go down you know it's easier now because i was like oh now now i can just go down the store and pick up all kinds of edibles and whatever's and vapes and what have you you know and then the government takes their cut you 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 know the 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 ideas of liberty uh, were better off when it had to be done on the underground you weren't spending all that much money on it or uh, if you were, you know, or whatever, um, because that was that was less money going into the state coffers, you know. There's a different different way to think about it, but like who who wants? And I think there's an article somewhere floating around uh, recently that said just just that, right? Like you know, the the there's a demand for illegal weed uh, because of how much the government and the state is taxing it. So you know it it comes it comes with it, it you know it. It's not, it's not free, right? It comes with catches. It's, there's a catch involved, right? There's a cost. There's a cost to all of this. And the government makes sure of that, even if they grant you a little concession, like, okay, you can have your weed now, you know what I mean? It's still, it's still there. They, they still, they still want to tax it. Um, so liberty, liberty being worth the fight. You know, I mentioned my, my new boss um, in the last, you know, in talking about the last article. I had another conversation with him, you know, because because he is a law abiding man of whatever, uh, you know, and um, I forget. Oh, man. How did the topic even come up? He I don't, I don't remember what we were talking about to get into it. Um, but he basically said, like, you know, people should follow. It might have been like, you know, shooting black folks like people should follow the law. I go well. We're gonna we're gonna have to dis, you know agree to disagree on that one. You know, like I vehemently believe that people should break bad laws, um, and you know, and and it depends on who you are, right? And one of the things that I do agree with him on, for the most part, um, is that there are a lot of cases where minorities get shot because they fail to properly comply with the direct orders of the law enforcement officer and they pay the consequence. And I am not here to say that I agree with that. I'm not here to say that they got what they deserved. Uh, What I am going to say is uh, that as wrong as it is for that to be the case, right? There's, there are some, you know, there are some instances where you know, pick your battles, right? You know, arguing with the cop or fighting the cop when they're, you know, when it's five on one on the side of the highway, right, is not the place to do it. You're outmanned, you're outgunned, you're going to lose. So even tactically, that's a bad idea, right? And you know, what, what I've claimed in the past is when they come for your guns, give them your guns. And then go b- get the backup guns because now's the time to fight, and to recoup what was stolen from you, by by whomever is wearing the uniform of the enemy. Uh, in my opinion, um, so I'm having you know I'm having this discussion uh, with the boss, and you know I go like you're you're correct, sir. Uh, in some cases, they could have handled it better, and they likely would have survived but not in all cases, right? And I brought up, you know, the, the Philando Castile. You know, I am a licensed uh, concealed carry permit holder. I'm going to reach into the glove compartment to show you my papers and then bam, 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 right? While, while filming live on Facebook, right? How could you even consider that uh, to be right just in any way? I don't, I don't know what you would need from that guy, from that interaction, right? for that cop, you know, to, 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 or for, for, for the claim to be made that the, uh, you know, the, the citizen uh, should have behaved better. Right. And again, I don't know if I've said this before, uh, maybe on air, maybe not. um, I don't necessarily believe in white privilege, uh, but I definitely, definitely acknowledge my white privilege. Right. I, I don't, you know, I don't hesitate at all. Uh, when encountering, you know, the cops on the side of the road, uh, you know, to, to, to play the window game with them, uh, you know, where you only roll it down a half of an inch. I've never, you know, bothered with uh, worrying about reaching into the glove compartment to get the, the registration, you know, and insurance or whatever they were asking for, right? I used to hand it to them in a pocket constitution even. Right, here you go. You know, reg- registration and insurance is in that document, sir, you know right right under right under the second amendment or you know the 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 uh, the fourth amendment or whatever find it there um you know i've had an officer go around to the right side of my car because i wouldn't you know he he was on the edge of the road so he wanted to talk to me on the right side of the car Uh, and i just flat out refused to talk to him anywhere else besides the window Uh, And when he tried to open, you know, he managed to get the door open on the right side because I guess I left it unlocked. And I reached over, yanked it shut right out of his hands, broke my door in the process, uh, but then proceeded to make him come back around to the left side of the car. Now, I acknowledge that there is no chance in hell I could have gotten away with that if my skin had a little bit darker tint to it. Not a chance in hell. I would have been physically removed, tased, shot, beaten. Whatever, right? So there, there, there's an, an acknowledgement of the privilege there, um, but it, it doesn't go for go for everybody. So we're having this conversation. It's like the law is the law, and everyone should abide the law or change it. You know, and give me like the the law equally applies to all people, and since it's equally applicable, we must all abide it equally or go through the channels to change it, right? Like he goes, he goes, I know how to change the law. I go, really? Like, tell me, you know, give me this. He goes, well, you have to end qualified immunity. And I go, yes, that is a fucking fantastic start. Love that idea. What do we do in the meantime, right? Like what's what's the answer to shit cop behavior in the meantime while we're waiting for the legislatures and fans of the police you know, to enact legislation to reverse qualified immunity so that they stop thinking that it's okay to kill minorities on the side of the road for broken tail light, right? What's, you know, what's the plan in the interim? We all just follow the law and which is, you know, equally, under the law, we're all equal, but it's not equally enforced because cops have discretion, you know, that's the other thing he said is like, if you, if you were going to get off, you could have gotten off, you know, because the cops have discretion, the judge has discretion, the uh, district attorney has discretion, the judge has discretion, and the jury has discretion. So if you were, if you were deserving, right, of a, of a warning, right, there, or to get away with this, like there are five layers, you know, of you could get away with this, you know, if, if you can, if, if you really deserved, you know, to, to not be harassed or whatever. I go, well, again, all that discretion, right? Means nothing is equal under the law. Then I had to bust out like the historical examples, right? Should, should the underground railroad, right? Have followed the law, you know? Should the, should the uh, Americans in the revolution have just followed the British law? And I said, no, right? Should, should the, you know, should the people housing Jews in Nazi Germany and hiding them away in their attics, you know, like that poor Anne Frank chick or whatever her name is, right? Should they have just followed the law? You know, uh, and you know he he had to concede that well, in certain historical contexts, right, following the law may not have been the right thing to do. I go great, so we can agree, you know, that this is not, you know, it's not a universal thing. We're all just following the law because every the law applies right to everyone. Um. And then I shared a story about how I got pulled over by a cop for basically pacing the cop that was in front of me. Quite embarrassing. Um, and he said, "Well, you can't even really do that in New Hampshire because in New Hampshire, where I where I currently reside, and where he's been, you know, for for most of his life, I believe um, he's an older gentleman. In New Hampshire, they passed the law for the cops uh, that basically said that like, traffic laws don't apply to them. Right? We we have entrusted them." Uh, with the safety, uh, with, with public safety, and one of the few groups given the right to use deadly force when necessary, right, we have entrusted them with use of deadly force, right, we can, we can entrust them with, uh, with not having to follow traffic laws, uh, you know, when on duty, right, like if, 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 if they can go as far as deadly force, right, then, then, then we can trust them to do what's right on the road. And I said, well, shit, man, two things, right? Number one, that means that the laws are not applied equally because now you have this whole separate class of people that have written in an exemption for themselves. And number two, New Hampshire is a constitutional carry state, right? We're all entrusted with the ability to, you know, to use deadly force when we deem necessary to protect life and liberty for ourselves or for others in danger if we wish to apply it, you know, in, in one of those, like, mass shooting scenarios, right? We've all been entrusted with that. So all the laws, you know, should still be applied equally and we, and traffic laws should, should not apply to the rest of the citizenry. Uh, and, of course, he had no answer for that. So as as long as there's going to be you know, a battle or a fight or whatever, you know, for the liberty and freedom of our lives and lives of our progeny going forward, right, there's, there's, you know, the, the truth of the matter is the fight is going to be a fight and it's going to be violent and that's what it's going to take, right? The the, the state uh, has the monopoly on violence over a geographic area and they will exercise that at their discretion and in, um, and unless they get pushback, Using those methodologies, there's no reason for them to think otherwise. So the, the tree of liberty must be refreshed with the blood of patriots and tyrants. There is no utopia. Like, oh, what happens once you overthrow the state? Then what? Well, then you keep going, right? Like, you know, uh, it, it, you know the, the, the ideas of liberty require eternal vigilance, right? Which means you need to refresh that tree from time to time. Not just once, but from time to time, uh with the blood of patriots and tyrants, right? And you must be ever vigilant in carrying out that directive. Because if you if you wane or you fall back, you know, into what whatever time we're now where people are too afraid to push back, uh then you then you lose it. And then it's that much harder to fight back uh when it when the time truly you know, when it's time to, you know, get on the fucking trains going to the gulags or whatever. So, fight. Is it worth the fight? Absolutely. Should we be fighting all the time? You know, on what front? All of them, all the time. Um, and, if you, and if you can't get behind that, well, then, you know, continue to vote and maybe get your nickel and dimes, you know, taxed at infinitum for all of history until they actually come and take the guns. And then it's too late. Enjoy your ride to the gulags in the boxcar. That'll do it for me. I am done. End of the show. Uh, you know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist or t.me slash the anarchist experience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon. Patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we hopefully will talk to y'all next week. Peace.